Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Jude. Jude, ma'am. Huh? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was about to forget our count for the week. We had 309 gospel contacts this week. And I understand that the bathrooms were very much evangelized between here and Kentucky. And that brings our yearly total to 9,549. We're getting close. I got a feeling we may break 10,000 and double our goal. So uh, just uh, keep on sharing the gospel. And, uh, and we'll pray for God to let that seed fall on good ground. Jude, verse 10, God willing today. We've, we've uh, had a great study so far. And in our study, we've waded through some very heavy doctrine here in the book of Jude. Very heavy words, very sad words when we're reading about uh, 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 hypocrisy, destruction, condemnation, people sneaking into the church and who don't care about the church members. And sadly, they don't even care about their own souls. That's the sad part. I, I'll never understand it, but at the same time, I do understand it. But along with that heavy doctrine, we've also discovered some very rich and enlightening doctrine, haven't we? Such as our study uh, led us to last week as we compared Jude's account of the angel Michael contending with the devil with that of the angel of Jehovah contending with the devil in the book of Zechariah. And what a fascinating study that was. Jude said, yet Michael, the archangel, when he, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. And Zechariah told us in chapter 3, verse 2, that the Lord Jesus, the angel of Jehovah, told Satan those very same words when contending with the devil. Zechariah said, quote, The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee. Even though Jesus didn't vilify the angel he lovingly created, he rather pointed Satan back to the power he was under and back to the plan that God had for the people of Israel, which, praise God, Satan has no power to overcome, nor can he thwart the amazing grace that God has determined to pour out upon those poor sinful Israelites and thank God upon us poor sinful Gentiles. Even though the angel of Jehovah or as the scripture puts it in one place, the angel of God's presence did not vilify the devil. He exemplified for us how the people of God should not talk trash, but talk truth when contending with our enemies. Verse 10, we now move forward in our study. Jude says, but these, that is, these counterfeit Christian teachers, Jude said, Speak evil of those things which they know not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you, Father, for the teachers, Lord, who faithfully brought your word today. 
I thank you for the students who faithfully listened and those who practiced and put their talents to use this morning, dear Lord God, who worked with the children and the children, Lord, who played and and read the word of God and did so well and and, and leading singing, bring us up to this point. And Father, I pray, dear Lord God, that you'll just fill us all with your spirit now and teach your precious word through us. God, give us understanding, enlighten our eyes, and may all eyes be upon you. Glorify your great name, we pray. Amen. So Jude said, but these, that is those counterfeit Christians, the creepy clergy who sneak into the church, they speak evil of those things which they know not. They vilify the things of God. When we're looking at speaking evil, remember we looked at what that meant. They vilify the things of God which they know not. Now the Greek word translated know here has the idea of receiving light. Receiving light. So Jude is saying these false teachers have not received the light of God. They are as Jesus and as the Apostle John put it, abiding in darkness, the darkness of unbelief. And they know not the things of the Spirit of God. They can't. They're false teachers. They speak authoritatively. If they were to get up here in the pulpit, they would speak authoritatively. They would be very distinguished sounding probably. They would have all the right earthly credentials perhaps. But then they would speak as if they were representing God as if God had ordained them as his uh, spokesperson, but they don't know God and they have not been taught by God. They are imposters who merely speak from their own carnal imaginations and they're able to pull off this charade so long as the people that they're preaching to are not grounded in the Word of God. If they are grounded in the Word of God, they'll spot them, they'll call them out for their error, and they're going to see them as the imposters that they really are. Uh, and, uh, and we need to be having that happening a whole lot more nowadays. When I was uh, a young man, I, I was uh, looking for a tractor and a brush hog to buy one day. And I saw some for sale on the side of the highway. And so I stopped by to look. And, and, uh, and this fellow had, had these tractors he had fixed up and painted. And he had some uh, brush mowers uh, for sale and uh, to pull behind those tractors. And, and uh, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know this man, but he was crooked as a snake. He was crooked. And he would tell you anything uh, just to be able to sell what he had and make a dollar off of you. Now, when you're mowing brush in the country, for those of y'all who haven't, you know, you're, it's not like cutting, cutting your lawn in the city. I mean, you've got pollen that flies through the air, and you may have little uh, saplings from trees growing up and things like that. And, 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 uh, and so you're going to run over things that, uh, that are kind of, kind of big. But every now and then, you might run over a sapling that's a little too big. Or you might find a stump out there that you couldn't see in that grass. And it's going to be something too big for that mower to handle. And as you've got that drive shaft turning and going and moving that mower around. And then 
boom, it slaps and hits that right there. That's a lot of energy. It's a lot of torque in the engine still running on your tractor, still turning that drive shaft around. So if there's not some kind of relief going, then you're going to just twist something and tear it all up. And so uh, you, you've, you've got to uh, have something to be able to release that energy, to relieve that torque on the, uh, on the mower and allow the energy to be safely dissipated. And at that time, and I assume it's probably still that way, there were basically two ways of doing that. Uh, the absolute best way was to have a mower that was equipped with a slip clutch, a slip clutch. If you ran over something and you had a slip clutch and that slip clutch would kick in, you just keep right on mowing, you don't even have to get off your tractor. Of course, having a slip clutch, those mowers are going to cost a little bit more than a mower that does not have a slip clutch on it. And, uh, and so the less desirable option, this would be for the people like Brother Shepherd who didn't want to put the money out, the less desirable option would be to have a mower equipped with a shear pin. All right? That's that kind you have, Brother Doug? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like Brother Shepherd. All right? He'd have a shear pin. And so if you ran over something big, that shear pin was disposable. And it could break or shear off, why they called a shear pin. And that would keep the more expensive parts from breaking on the mower. You just, uh, and, and you'd have to replace the shear pin, not have to replace something else. Of course, if that happened, you're going to have to get off your mower. You're going to have to replace the shear pin before you can resume mowing. Now, this man, being dishonest, being as crooked as a snake like he was, uh, he was selling the shear pin mowers, but he was selling. He was upselling those shear pin mowers. All right? uh, when I told him that my dad had a mower with a slip clutch, you know what he told me? He said, oh, you don't want a mower with a slip clutch. He said, they've been having trouble with those. He said, you want one with a shear pin. He said, that way... If something happens, all you got to do is knock the old one off and drive another one in, and you just get back mowing again. You don't want no slip clutch. And he's telling me all this story and everything, and he's showing me this, this tractor with a fresh paint job. He cranks that tractor up. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, it sounded good, Brother Doug. That tractor sounded good. And I'm looking at that tractor, and I'm thinking, well, it, it sounds good. Hadn't drove, driven it yet or anything. It sounds good. And uh, I'm out there looking that tractor over, and as the tractor runs a little bit, out of the block of that engine, I begin to see that engine cry. I begin to see water pull out, pour out the side of the engine. I thought, <laughs> I thought, baby, Billy Baker worked on it. I didn't know. No, I'm just kidding, Brother Billy. But I saw, I saw water come out that engine block. And I got looking a little closer, and I said, is that J.B. Weld on that engine block? That guy had put J.B. Weld, this cheap liquid cold weld on that engine, cracking that engine block, and it got discovered, and, it, and I, I, I said, no, thank you. You got a cracked engine block there, and I got in my vehicle, and I drove away from that fella's house. He was a shyster. He was pretending to be an older man who was looking out for a younger guy, trying to give him good advice. 
You don't want no slip clutch. <laughs> They're having trouble with those. The truth was, he didn't care about me at all. All he wanted was my money. That's it. Now, why was he talking bad about the good mowers? I'm not saying your mower is bad, Brother Doug, but just for the sake of argument here, just to give an explanation. Why was he talking bad about the good mowers? You don't want one with a slip clutch. The answer is he didn't have good mowers to sell. You see, that's why he was talking bad about the good mowers. All he had was the cheap mowers with the shear pins. So to sell the bad mowers, he had to vilify the good mowers that he didn't have. That makes sense? That's why these creepy clergy speak evil of those things they know not. Because they are truths they don't have. They don't have the enlightenment of God. They haven't been, uh, uh, um, uh, the, the light of God hasn't enlightened their eyes. They don't know the gospel. They may have heard the gospel, but they've never been enlightened to the gospel in the sense that they have that knowledge residing in their hearts. They are in darkness. The, Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, you're in darkness. And someone who's in darkness, they don't know where they're going. I was praying on the way up here. Men, Tammy, pray on the way up here uh, each service. And I th- was thanking God that we're in the light and we know where we're going. Amen. I was thanking God for the gospel. These creepy clergy, they're in the darkness. They don't know the truth that we know. They don't embrace the truth that we have. So they, they, can't, they can't sell the truth that they don't have. So they vilify what they don't know. Simply put, these creepy clergy have a cheap, cheap product that they have to sell to you. So to keep you from buying the truth, they vilify it. But they might sell you the lie they're peddling. When God gives pastors truths, how does he give the truth to them? How does he enlighten their eyes to the gospel? He gives it to them through his Holy Spirit. Before Jesus died on the cross and returned to heaven, he told his disciples in John 16, verses 12 through 13. He said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, which means... If you embrace the truth of God, there's only one way you got that truth. And that's by the Holy Spirit. He guides you into how much truth? 90% of it? 50% of it? No, he guides you into all of it. If truth is to be gotten, it must be gotten by the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus went on to say, For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. These creepy clergy don't have the Spirit of God. And because they don't have the Spirit of God, they don't know the truth that God gives His pastors spiritually. Look back in your text. But what they know naturally, see that? Not what they've been enlightened to spiritually, but what they know naturally. That's what they have. False preachers don't preach things they know spiritually, their spirit's dead. They preach things they know naturally. 
What's the difference between knowing something spiritually and knowing something naturally? Well, to know something spiritually is to know something from heaven. To know something naturally is to know something from earth. To know something spiritually is to know the God above you. To know something naturally is to merely experience the earth, the world around you. That's the difference. Listen now, the Apostle Paul explained the difference between knowing something spiritually and knowing something naturally as Jude is describing. If you're taking notes, you can write this down in your notes or in your margin, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Paul, speaking of him and his company, said, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we, may, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, Paul says, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. He can't have his eyes enlightened to the truths that we have. He can't know them. They're foolishness to him because they are spiritually discerned. A natural man can't know spiritual things because his spirit is dead. It has not been quickened by the Spirit of God because he has rejected the truth of God that's been made available to him that God wants to give him, but he refuses. So to a natural man, spiritual things don't make sense. They just don't. I mean, have you ever tried to explain the glorious truth of the gospel to a natural man? You ever tried that? Have you ever done this? I'm curious if this ever happened to you. It's happened many times. Brother Shepherd, I'm curious if it happened to you. Something really good. I mean, God has blessed you. Maybe he showed you a great truth in Scripture. Maybe you heard about someone coming to faith in Christ. I mean, something's good, and you're just rejoicing, bubbling over with thanksgiving to God and, 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 and the truth, the wonderful truth that you know. And you just got to tell somebody. And you think, well, you know, so-and-so, I, they, they claim to be a Christian over here. I'm going to go share this with them. And you go over there to tell them, you might as well be trying to explain chemistry to one of those poodles Sister Brittany's trying to sell. It just goes right over their head. They don't care. Has that ever happened to anybody beside me? It's happened in the church, he says. Yeah, it's happened to me in church. It's sad. I've done that several times. I'd be at work a lot of times. And uh, I think, well, so-and-so, they profess to be a Christian. I just, I'm about to bust. I'm so happy. I'd go tell them. You'd think I was trying to offer them a plate of dog food to eat. So, so Sad. They have no interest whatsoever. And so when you share it with them, you'll be sorely disappointed that you even tried. 
It's like showing your most valuable possession to an animal that has no ability to appreciate what you're trying to show. In fact, it's even worse because a lost man will despise the things you're trying to show him oftentimes. He'll make you sorry that you even share them. You'll walk away wishing, I wish I just kept that to myself. Y'all ever felt that way? Yep, hands going up everywhere. I wish I just kept it to myself. You know, the Bible talks about casting your pearls before swine. You cast them before swine, and they're not going to appreciate it. They're going to trample over them, and then they're going to come after you. Spiritual truths are foolishness to a natural man. But as strange as it is, foolish things make perfect sense to a natural man. You get it? Spiritual things are foolishness to a natural man, but foolish things make perfect sense to a natural man. I want you to listen to how the prophet Isaiah described the natural man. If you're taking notes in Isaiah chapter 44, verses 16 through 18. Isaiah was describing the natural man who worships an idol that he made out of wood. He said, quote, He burneth part thereof in the fire. With part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth roast and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and saith, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. So he's saying, he has this block of wood here. He takes him a block out of that wood that he's going to carve the idol out of. All right, now I've got the block here. I'm going to make an idol out of this. The rest of the wood he puts in the stove. He warms himself by the fire. He cooks his food over it. And he goes, oh, this is nice. Nice, toasty fire. And he starts cooking his food over that wood as he's burning that wood up. And then Isaiah said, and the rest thereof he maketh a god. And know, there's this block over here. He, he, after he burns the wood up cooking and eating, he then makes a god out of this. He says, even his graven image, he falleth down unto it and worshipeth it and prayeth unto it and saith, deliver me for thou art my god. And then Isaiah said, they have not known nor understood. For he, listen why they haven't known or understood. For he that is God has shut their eyes that they cannot see and their hearts that they cannot understand. That's why when you try sharing spiritual things with a natural man, it's foolishness to him. This, this natural man, he takes a tree. He burns part of that tree in the fire to cook his food with, to heat his house with. And then he takes that other part of that same and makes a God out of it and then bows down to it and then asks that block of wood that he carved to deliver him out of trouble. I mean, the tree couldn't keep itself out of the fire, but now this little you made from the exact same block of wood somehow is going to deliver him out of trouble. It's crazy. A creepy clergy is a natural person. He may not have a little block of wood like that, but you know what? His religion, his way of thinking is just as crazy. I was talking to a man the other day. 
about salvation, I said, the difference between me and you is you're working to go to heaven. I'm working because I'm on my way to heaven. You're working because you have to. I'm working because I get to. You're working because you need to. I'm working because I'm thankful for God saving my soul. He said, I'm not working to go to heaven. I said, what happens if you quit working? Would you go to heaven? He said, no. (laughs) I said, you're working to go to heaven. (laughs) I said, and you'll never make it. You'll never make it working. You'll never be at that point of your work where God will accept you. He says, well, that's what the cross is for. I said, so you're saying the cross is like gap insurance on a car. Is that what you're saying? That that you're go- God judges you based on your work. You've got to work to go to heaven. And then where you fall short, then the cross makes up what you can't do. He goes, yeah. I said, oh, no, it don't work like that. But see, I said, it's either you or it's Jesus. Jesus is not going to come in here and just... Say, well, he's short $10. Here, you can have $10 worth of my righteousness. No. How much of our righteousness is his filthy rags? All of it's filthy rags. Like, well, I, I agree with what I heard one preacher say. He said, I wouldn't trust the best five minutes of my life to get into heaven. Everything I do is tainted somehow. Even the most spiritual thing somehow, there's a degree of selfishness and pride and and wicked carnality involved. I know my flesh. But to a natural person who cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, foolish things make perfect sense. He considers those precious gospel truths to be foolish. So what does he do? What does the creepy clergy, natural clergy do? He slaps a godly label, a godly spiritual label on a natural fleshly product. And then he begins to sell it like religious snake oil to anyone who will fall for his godless sales pitch. That's what he's doing. They sell the things they know naturally, Jude said. How do they know it naturally? Look back in the text. As brute beasts. As brute beasts. Man, when I grew up, brute aftershave was popular. Anybody use brute aftershave now? You do, Brother Doug? You don't? But y'all did at one time? Brute aftershave was popular. It, it, It spelled a little different than, you know, brute in our text. But I think the concept was the same. The concept was that whoever wore this aftershave, they were a brute. They were a real manly sort of man. Like Brother Shepherd. Very manly. But the word brute here is not speaking about toughness. It's not speaking about masculinity. The word brute here in the Greek, or the word translated brute here from the Greek, it, it's talking about nonsense. It's a fascinating word. It's talking about nonsense. The, the Greek word translated brute here, it's made up of a word and it's made up of a prefix. The prefix is the letter A. A or A, it can be used both ways in a, as a prefix. For example, if you have COVID and you are, the is the word, 
and you got a prefix A in front of that word. If you're asymptomatic, that means you have what? No symptoms. So A, the prefix A means no or it means without. So without symptoms or no symptoms. In the same way, this little Greek word, it takes a special word and it puts the word A in front of it. Do you know what the word is that it puts the word A in front of? Logos. Logos. (laughs) And if you know anything about Greek, then you know that logos is the word used for Jesus in John chapter 1. When John said, in the beginning was the word, the logos. You see, logos has the idea of thought, reasoning, intellect being expressed in words. And so John said the thought, the reasoning, the intellect of God was expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Logos of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You heard me speak, you've heard the Father. You listen to my thoughts and my words, you're hearing His. He's the Logos of God. But these creepy clergy are a Logos. Or all logos. They are without rationale. They're without sensible reason. They're like brute beasts. I know a couple who last week, they got their dog a new dog bed. This may have happened to y'all before, I don't know. But they were excited to get their dog a new dog bed. And the wife wanted to make her dog happy. Because a lot of people treat their dogs like their kids nowadays. Won't make their dog happy. Uh, She couldn't wait for her husband to put that new bed out in the little room where their dog sleeps. And so the husband, he, he took that new, big, soft, fluffy bed, that comfortable bed, out to that dog to lay on. And the couple left with that dog and that and that bed only to come back later. And you probably know what happened. They come back later and they find that new bed torn completely shreds and the stuffing thrown all over the room that dog's probably just happy as he can be the dog was a logos he didn't have the sense to know what the bed was for how good the bed would have been every night when he laid on it all those comfortable nights he could have enjoyed on that bed he didn't understand the owner's good intent the purpose for setting that bed out for him So the senseless dog, instead of making use of what his wise and loving loving owners gave him, corrupted it instead. He tore it up. And Jude said, that's how these false teachers are. They don't know the spiritual things of God. And what they do know naturally, look back in your text, in those things they corrupt themselves. They tear up their own beds. To corrupt something means to ruin it. To destroy it. They teach in the name of God without knowing the truth of God. And they vilify others while corrupting themselves. There are a few people I've heard of recently. In the past few months or whatever. Who think I'm running some kind of cult here in Maybank. 
No, sir. Let me tell you something about a cult and a true church. A cult will draw you from the Word of God. A Christian church will draw you to the Word of God. And by God's grace, we strive to place our eyes on every line in the Bible. A cult will minimize Jesus and will glorify man. A Christian church will glorify Christ and minimize man. And we preach not ourselves here, but Christ Jesus the Lord. A cult will show you some other way into heaven. A Christian church will show you no other way to heaven than Jesus and his cross. At this church, praise God, we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews, a stumbling block. Under the Greeks, foolishness. But under them which are called both Jew and Greeks, Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If someone hears the message we preach and they still say that we are a cult, you know what they're doing? They're speaking evil of things they know not. That's what they're doing. If someone knows the things of the Spirit, if they've been enlightened by the Spirit of God, then they will rejoice in the things of the Spirit that we preach. But if someone hears what we preach and then condemns it, then they know not the things of the Spirit of God. And what they know naturally as brute beasts, they will corrupt themselves in. Their carnal, crossless doctrine will end in their destruction. Y'all ever heard the gospel preached and the cross is never mentioned? I've heard the gospel preached so many times that there was no gospel in the gospel. It will ruin them. In the things they know naturally, they will corrupt themselves because the world doesn't give you the gospel. The world can't produce the gospel. The world vilifies the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit of God will relay the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. Their carnal, crossless doctrine will end in destruction. It will ruin them. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to the natural man. He just doesn't get it. It offends the natural man, in fact, that his religion isn't good enough for you. Just like it offended Cain when his bloodless religion wasn't good enough for God. So had to go out and kill his brother for it. We're going to get into that next week. Now, I want you to suppose for a moment. We're just going to use a kind of a silly illustration. But sometimes silly illustrations are the ones that make the most sense and seem to stick with you. I want you to suppose for a moment that you, a sinner, are hungry. You're a hungry sinner. And the gospel is a nice, fresh, hot, rotisserie chicken. Mm, mm, mm. So you're a hungry sinner. And what you need to do is eat. And the gospel is a rotisserie chicken. Now, a spiritually enlightened pastor, 
You know what he's going to preach? He's going to preach a fresh, hot, rotisserie chicken. And if you eat it, what he preaches, it's going to leave you spiritually full. A natural pastor, on the other hand, you know what he's going to preach? He's going to preach the oven. He's going to preach the plastic container the chicken sat in. He's going to preach the cost of the chicken. He's going to preach the person who cooked that chicken. The sermon will sound like chicken. The sermon will smell like chicken. The sermon will look like chicken. But the sermon will be missing the chicken. And if you point out their error to them, if you say, <laughs> if you say, now, sir, pastor, you've given me everything but the chicken itself. I'll starve if I eat your sermon because I can't eat the oven or the plastic container or the price tag or the cook. If you tell the natural preacher this, he's going to accuse you of being a troublemaker. And he's going to undermine the chicken ministry. The chicken is foolishness unto him. The spiritual pastor preaches about the chicken. The natural pastor preaches around the chicken. You see, I've seen it over and over again. And the spiritual men will eat the cross of Christ and live, while the natural men, like senseless beasts, brute beasts, will despise the cross and corrupt themselves in the things they naturally know. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 through 2, the Apostle Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The spiritual pastor will determine to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The natural pastor will determine to know everything but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if he preaches Jesus Christ and Him crucified, he is going to preach it as a side dish rather than the main entree. That's what he'll do. Because if he knew the truth, he had preached the chicken because he knew that's the only way hungry sinners can eat and live. Jude is warning us. He says they speak evil of things they don't know. They haven't received the light. And the things they know, they only know it naturally. They know it by the flesh. And because that's all they've got in those things that they know, they corrupt themselves. Their false doctrine is going to destroy them and take them to hell. Thank God for Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life through which no man can go to the Father but by Him. We'll go ahead and close the word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We're so grateful, Father, for the truth. We're so thankful, Father, for Jesus who distinguishes, Father, between light and darkness. He is the light who came into this world. The light shined in the darkness So Jesus is the difference between light and darkness. Jesus is the truth, he said. He's the difference between a truth and a lie. Jesus is the life. He's the difference between death and everlasting life.
It's all about him. And Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth. We dare not trust in the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. In his name we pray. Amen.